Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Lord, this glorious truth that Jesus Christ is not dead, but He is alive. And it's incredible that we read the words that we just read. That Jesus Christ would proclaim that He would rise again from the dead, and man would try and stop that from happening. That is the heart of of our unregenerated flesh, Lord, to reject you, to be an enemy of you. Lord, I pray that you would help our flesh to die in this place today, that you would well up in us a spirit of faith that we might believe all the more in you this morning, Lord. And we ask you to use your word by the power of your spirit this morning to speak directly into every person's life here, Lord, you want us to know something about the resurrection of Christ today, about the reality of that. Would you come and teach us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. There's three things that I want to share with you from our text this morning uh, as it relates to reality, particularly the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first, if you're taking notes, write this down. Reality is never fraudulent. Reality is never fraudulent. If something is real, it can't be fake. We live in a society where fraud is happening in epic proportions. Let me illustrate. Enron, Bernie Madoff, the Lehman Brothers. According to Forbes magazine, these are the top biggest frauds ever committed. Billions and billions of dollars were stolen. I think of Frank, Frank Abigail. Put his slide up there. Frank Abigail, you know the guy. He, he uh, assumed eight identities, including that of a pilot and a doctor. This guy made his living by forging checks, and a very good one at that, by the way. Uh, he was so talented uh, regarding fraud that the FBA hired him to identify forgery. <laughs> what, a, what a way to make a living, right? Through fraud. How about a guy named Victor Lustig? Anybody know who Victor Lustig is? This guy, you, you know, you, this says you can't judge a book by his cover, but I mean, come on. You see the guy? You see his face? Is he up there? Doesn't, he, he's kind of pixelated, but doesn't he does say fraud across his forehead, doesn't it? It kind of seems that way. Listen, if you're not familiar with him, he is the man that was known to sell the Eiffel Tower, not once, but twice. Now, you might think like, hashtag big deal that he did that, but listen, it is kind of a big deal because he never actually ever owned the Eiffel Tower. And so he sold something that he did not own. It was a fraud. This guy was so good at swindling that he swindled swindlers. He also was able to con uh, Al Capone out of $5,000. The guy also had guts. Listen, it's, it's no wonder, it's no wonder why people in our world don't take things at face value. Because there's so much fraud going on. Uh, you know, reality is fraud is an active part of the world that we live in. It's happening all around us. Why? Why is it happening? Because deceit, which is fraud, is an active part of the unregenerated heart. It's ingrained in the sinful flesh. It's there. And it, may, and it rears its ugly head all the time. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? God is trying to get us to understand that we have a problem. 
The problem is in here. The problem is our heart. He put a heart of worship in us. He put a desire to, to, for us to know Him. And yet, the deceit of our heart would steal us away from those things. It would draw us away from the Lord. But God's Spirit would draw us back. And so we have this fight going on for us all the time. We have the deceit of our own heart. We have uh, the Lord drawing us back to Himself. And we have a will. And we have the ability to make a choice. We can choose to reject Christ or we can choose to follow Him. But understand, your heart is working over time to deceive you from doing that. Because the flesh, the flesh is at enmity with God. It is an enemy of God. Listen, our heart has a natural tendency towards deceit. Every time a system is built to defend against fraud in our nation, a system is built to uh, you know, fake it out, to trick it, that tells you the reality of our heart. Listen, we are bombarded with claims and opportunities and schemes that are too good to be true, but understand, again, just because it seems too good to be true doesn't necessarily mean it is. The gospel is that way. It seems too good to be true. It seems like it's a fraud. How could that be that God himself would send his son to die on a cross for me? What do I need him for anyway? I'm a good person. And so we begin to deceive ourselves into thinking that we don't need Jesus at all, that maybe he didn't even come. Maybe God doesn't really love us. Maybe God doesn't even exist. And we have all of these. Do you understand that it's a war inside of you? It's a war inside of you. And you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability to win the war. You have the ability to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ if you choose to do that. But your heart will fight against you all the way. It'll tell you you don't need Jesus. It'll tell you that it's too good to be true. It'll tell you that God does not love you, that you're too bad for him. Listen, if that's you this morning and you're saying, I'm distant from God, I want to be so near to him, but I feel so far away from him because, uh, because of who I am, and I, it's me is, is the problem, it's not God. Listen, God's love can overcome any darkness. Do you know that? God is able to love you right where you are. You don't have to change a bit for God to love you. He already loves you. He loves you right now more, just as much as He would if you were walking with Him faithfully every day of your life. He loves you. And you don't have to question that this morning. He loves you and He wants a relationship with you. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 62 through 66 there, the religious leaders called Jesus an imposter and a fraud. Jesus Christ. Why? Because of the claims that he made about himself. You see, Jesus was not on late night television in Jerusalem trying to sell you something. He was in, at late night in Jerusalem on his knees praying for the people who needed to come to the saving knowledge of who he is. Jesus Christ claimed himself to be the Son of God and God the Son. He claimed to be Messiah, the Anointed One, to be the Savior and the Light of the world. And those are some pretty tall claims, folks. But understand, Jesus backed them up with miraculous works. He performed miracle after miracle after miracle, authenticating the claims that he was making about himself. 
Jesus didn't just expect you to believe because he popped up on the scene and said, hey, I'm the son of God, that you should believe that. He showed people that he was the son of God by the power that he had. He rose people from the dead. He healed the sick. He did all kinds of things. In that culture, in that day, when a prophet would show up, he would authenticate himself through miraculous works. That was the point. Was the point. Was the point. 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 It was never to produce faith, but it was meant so that the listener could say, hey, that person is from God. It was to demonstrate to them who this person represents. When Jesus came, he, he said that he was the Son of God. He said that he was God the Son, and he proved it. He did all kinds of things to show this. But these knuckleheads have the audacity to call him a fraud. Who's the fraud? The people that are trying to pretend that they're so perfect, so righteous. You know, that they can make a way to God themselves, that they don't need any other Savior, that they are a Savior in and of themselves. That is fraudulent. They know their hearts. You know your heart. You know where you sit with the Lord. You know that there are things that you aren't perfect. And that, you know, and if, if the Bible is true and it means that we have to be perfect in order to go to heaven, then you need a Savior. And that Savior has come. His name is Jesus. What I find interesting on this day was that the religious leaders weren't so much worried about who Jesus said he was, but they were worried about what Jesus said he would do. They weren't so much worried in this moment on Saturday, the day after he died, they weren't so much worried about what he said uh, about who he was, but they were more worried about what he said he would do on the third day. So much so that they would start to become, uh, they, would, they would sort of go and break their own rules and go on the Sabbath to Pilate, who's a Gentile, which is against the law totally, and they would go and break and violate their own law that they put in place on the Sabbath so that they could protect against what Jesus said he would do that day. He told them in John chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Listen, it was widely known that Jesus claimed that he would rise again from the dead. It was widely known that he would do this. And yet who was at the tomb that day? His disciples weren't. They didn't really believe it. Listen, the Pharisees and the, the, the scribes there, they didn't really believe that he would rise again from the dead. They simply believed that Jesus' disciples would come steal the body and that they would you know, parade him around like Weekend at Bernie's or something. I mean, how do you parade a, a dead guy around and act like he's living? You know, hey, Bernie. You know, I mean, what Jesus was doing that, right? No. That's ridiculous. And yet they were worried about it. They were worried about that. Can you imagine what it would do to the power and prestige of these religious rulers if Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead? That was so concerning that they would go to Pilate, whom they didn't really appreciate that much. He was ruling over them. They had to have one of those, you know, kind of love-hate relationships with him because he was governing their area. And so they went to him and asked him for some help. And he said, you have a guard. Go ahead, and, go ahead and take the guard to the tomb. Did you catch what they said there? What Pilate said to them? 
Go and make it as secure as you can. Now, I find that interesting, that God would cause them to say these words because we all know that they can't make it very secure, can they? I mean, God wasn't in heaven going, oh my gosh, they rolled a stone in front of the tomb. They put the seal of Caesar on that tomb. Oh, if he break it, he's going to be mad. Somebody's going to die. God wasn't in heaven pacing the floor wondering what he was going to do because man is securing the tomb at all. God was saying, go ahead and secure it, but you will not stop this. The enemy was trying to stop what God had already orchestrated, what God proclaimed would happen, and no one was going to stop this. A reality is never fraudulent. It's either real or it's not. Jesus is either going to rise from the dead or he's not. It's the bottom line. And the extent that man will go to reject Jesus and his life, his death, his resurrection is unbelievable. And if that's you this morning, God wants to stay you to stop running. Stop trying to secure your eternity on your own because you can't do it. Just as much as they couldn't secure the tomb to keep Jesus in there, you can't secure your eternity by the things that you do, by how you live your life. You can't do it. Stop running from him. Bow the knee to him today. Believe in him. And you will have everlasting life with him in heaven. Well, not only is reality never fraudulent, but also reality is not always reality forever. Look at chapter 28, verse 1. It says, Now after the, the, the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. <laughs> that must have hurt. As he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there, will, there they will see me. How many times have you had to face reality in your life only to watch the reality change? How many times have you been collided with some kind of reality that just took you off your feet only to watch reality put you back up on your feet, to change in some way? It happens. Perhaps it was a diagnosis that was fatal. A financial crisis that was unrecoverable. Maybe it was a relationship that was all but over. And then all of a sudden, a miracle happened. The diagnosis changed. The financial situation, somehow you were able to get out of it. Somebody changed their heart in the relationship and now you're able to mend your ways. Reality is reality, but reality isn't necessarily reality forever. Things change. 
Reality on Saturday evening was Jesus Christ was dead. His body lie lifeless in a borrowed tomb. He was crucified just a day prior as an innocent man. He hung on the cross paying uh, the price for our sin as an innocent man. And then he said it's finished. And then he committed his spirit into his father's hands. And then he breathed his last. The deal was sealed when they thrust that spear into the side of him. And it went through his heart and it burst out his side. It was done. He was dead. It was over. That was reality. But not everybody thinks that. There are those that, that cl claim this ridiculous theory called the swoon theory. It's endorsed, it began being endorsed around the early 1800s by a man named Hedrick Paulus. You know what I would say to Hedrick Paulus if he were here today? I would say, well, let's prove your theory. How about we lash you with 39 lashes with the cat of nine tails and rip your flesh apart with it? And then we're going to nail you to a cross through your wrists and through your feet. We're going to beat you unrecognizable before that. Then we're going to hang you out in the weather for, for six hours in the heat while you're suffocating to death as you slide up and down. And every time you're trying to breathe, you have to pull up you know, to get a breath and it's pulling in your joints and you're, you're actually literally pulling your joints out of socket as you do that. And then let's take a spear and thrust it up into his heart. Take him down from the cross. Put him in a tomb that was sealed for 36 hours and see if he's alive after that. How about that? Not going to happen. Not going to happen. This, this is the, the deceitfulness of man's heart. They go to great lengths to do that. To reject the reality of Jesus Christ. Reality is on the third day, that is the first day of the week, that is Sunday, Jesus Christ changed his reality. He went from being dead to being alive. He didn't, he couldn't, he wouldn't allow reality to say the same. He had a world to save, a people to lead, a gospel to keep. And so on the third day, Jesus took his grave clothes off and he put on his robe of righteousness and walked right through that secure tomb. He walked right through it. Now, I hope I don't burst your bubble, but listen. The pictures that you've seen of the tomb opened and Jesus walking out, they are not accurate. Jesus did not need the stone rolled away to come out. The only reason that the stone was rolled away is so that we could get in, so that we could see that he was not there. Jesus was, had the ability in a resurrected form to walk right through walls. And he did that that day. Jesus Christ has waged the war on death and he is victorious. The battle is over. Listen, I don't know what your reality looks like for you right now. But I know, what, I know that reality is not always reality forever. I do know that. Listen, we serve a God of hope. And he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever hope or dream of. And he's saying to you today to put your faith in Jesus Christ who has the ability to bring the dead to life, to set the captive free, to make all things new. Your reality can change right here, right now. All you have to do is believe in the risen Son. Jesus Christ is the catalyst for change in your life. If you're a believer here, 
and you are, you're struggling, man, and reality is just overtaking you, you need to come to Jesus with that. Because he can change it all. He is the catalyst for changing us. He's the one that wells hope up in us. He builds faith in you. And so whatever you're facing today, you go to Jesus with it. Whether you need him for salvation or for sanctification. We all need Jesus, man. Every single one of us in this room. We should be crying out to him, Lord, I need your help. I'm struggling. I need you. Hope is here and his name is Jesus. He loves you and he wants to change your reality this morning, but you have to come to him by faith. Reality isn't always reality forever. And the last thing that I want to share with you this morning is reality can be lied about, but it can never be stopped. Check out verse 11 there. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests and all who had taken place, when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep him out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. Listen, and this story, you can work, circle that in your Bible, this story has been spread among the Jews this day. There are certain absolutes that we live by in the world. Gravity is one of them. Gravity is real. I don't care if you like it or not. It's real. And you ain't going to stop it. No matter how much you want to try, you will not stop gravity from happening. You don't have the power to. Reality is reality, man. We have to, ha come, to the, come to the facts. You can't deny that. You can lie about it. Uh, you can try and defy it, but you can't stop it from being a reality because reality is absolute. Uh, like gravity, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a reality and therefore an absolute. You can't change it, whether you like it or not. Even though reality can change, reality doesn't change because I don't like it or it offends me. Listen, because I feel like I'm a marshmallow, I will never be a marshmallow. <laughs> I want to be a marshmallow. I look good as a marshmallow. I'm identifying right now as a marshmallow, but reality is reality, right? The fact of the matter is, I am not a marshmallow, and I never will be. As, as much as I want to be, I will never be a marshmallow. You might be here today, and you might not feel like a sinner. You might not feel like you're distant from God. You might not feel separated from Him. But the Bible tells us that if we have not made Jesus Christ our mediator, we are. And there's nothing you can do about that. You can't stop, you know, that separation. It's happened. Your sin has separated you from God. And as much as you want to deny the fact that, you know, hey, I'm not a sinner, you are. It's reality. It's absolute. You can't deny that. The religious leaders here had an opportunity to stop the madness. Right, right here. They had an opportunity 
once Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, they had an opportunity to say, enough is enough. He is God. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is our Messiah. Let us bow down to Him, right? They had that opportunity to do it, and they wouldn't do it. Is this not the grace of God? That He would continue to extend His hand. Why did He send some of the soldiers back? Because some of them didn't come back. They didn't come back because they would die. That's why they didn't come back. As soon as Caesar heard that the tomb was violated in some way, all, all of those soldiers would have been killed. That's why only some of them came back. And the ones that God sent back told uh, the religious leaders what happened. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. An angel appeared. We were knocked over like dead men at that moment. And the deceitfulness of the heart of man, right here, right in this story, right in that moment would say, hmm, well, let's tell them this. Let's tell them that that didn't happen, but let's tell them actually that, you know, his disciples came, stole the body, and, uh, and that's what happened. Here's some money. Pretty, pretty religious people, right? I mean, that's pretty godly to do something like that. But again, they were, they were the frauds. You see, generally when you're accusing somebody of something, you're, it's generally true for you. Now, don't, don't go too far with that, but you follow me. We can be highly critical of people. Hypocritical, actually. Highly hypocritical of people because we are not perfect ourselves. And yet, there's this expectation that we want other people to be there. Listen, God wanted to change their lives just as much as He wants to change your life today, right now, right here. But you have to stop the madness. He did everything that He needed to do. He sent His Son for you. He died on the cross for you. He rose again from the dead victoriously for you so that if you put your faith in Him today, you will not see the grave. You will go right through the grave, right into His presence and be with Him forever in heaven. That is the way it is. That is reality for those who put their faith in Jesus today. And you can buck that. You can fight it. But deep down inside, you know it's true. Because God put it in your heart already. And that's why when we sit in church services sometimes and we start to feel nervous and anxious and we start to look, we try and get distracted with, with other things because we don't want to face reality. You know, and when you get into to a real conversation with people outside the world, try it. That's why people stay on the surface. They don't want to be real. They don't want to deal with reality because when we start to deal with reality, we starts to go right down into the heart of us and we are forced to either lie to ourselves or act like, you know, or receive what, what the truth is. And that's what God wants us for us this morning. He wants you to be real with Him. Listen, you can't come to church and think that will save you. A building is just a building. You know, a, a building, a, you know, a, 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 a principles are principles and Good works are good works, but none of that can save you. That's why God sent His Son. Do you really think that if there was another way that God would allow His Son to go to the cross and be beaten and brutalized like He did? Jesus even prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, if there was any other way, Lord, let it be, but not my will, your will be done. He said, man, is there any other way? And God said, no, there is no other way. And so you have to be faced with that fact this morning that the reality is, is that you're a sinner and God sent you a Savior to bring you near to Him, 
to, to bridge the gap for you. You know, Jesus Christ, when he laid on the cross, he became a bridge for you and I. And the catalyst to get across the bridge, the token, if you will, to cross the bridge from the little toll that's holding it, is faith. And you've got to believe in him this morning. Not only that, but you have to receive the gospel yourself. Lord, I'm a sinner. Confession. I need a savior. I'm turning away from my life. I'm turning away from my sin and I'm turning to you this morning. I want Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. Make me a Christian. Make me a follower of you. I don't care what you say about that part, but listen, the fact of the matter is Jesus is the only way and it's faith in him that will bring you into the right relationship with God. Reality can't be changed. You can lie about it. You can deny it. But you can't stop it from being true. I want to leave you with one other, one other reality as it relates to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and His victorious, victorious resurrection. The Bible tells us that if we reject the message of the gospel, that there's judgment for that. Now, we don't want to hear that, right? Let's talk about the good stuff. Let's talk about what we get. But we are talking about what we get if we don't come to Christ by faith. The reality is this. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. It said this, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. It's pretty clear. Verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. He was thrown into the lake of fire where Satan and the other angels are being tormented day and night forever and ever. I don't say that to scare you. It's not a scare tactic. It's the truth. That is reality. You can deny it. You can run from it. You can stay on the surface and act like it doesn't exist, but it does. And that is the truth. And God loves you so much that He wants you to know that this morning. He wants you to know that He wants to give you life. But you can choose. You can choose hell if you want. That's not His will for you. His will is that you would repent and come to know Him as Lord and Savior. And so he's put the ball in your court. He has done everything that he can do to bring you to this place where you will either deny him or you will receive him this morning if you don't know him. Today is the day of salvation. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. You don't know when your last day on earth will be. And so you make the choice today. Don't you dare run out of these out of here today without relationship with Jesus Christ if you need it. And you do. We all do. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for this morning and for the opportunity to celebrate the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word that is always so true to us, that doesn't hold back but loves us enough to tell us exactly what the real deal is. 
Lord, we thank you that you're not a surface level God that doesn't dig right into the heart of the issue, but that you, re you rebuke us, that you correct us, that you train us, that you admonish us. Lord, to come to that place where we would bow our knee to you. The resurrection is only good news for those people who have received it in their own hearts. To everyone else, it doesn't matter. And it has no power in their life. But you want to change that this morning, Lord. We know that. We know your will is that all would come to repentance this morning. Every person in this place, Lord, you know their heart. And you're speaking intimately to them right now. And you're asking them the question, what will you do with the reality that has been presented today? You leave us with this choice, Lord. As we continue to pray, we want to just give you an opportunity to, to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you don't this morning, you just by faith believe in Him. You lift your arm and you say, I want Jesus this morning because I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and I believe Jesus Christ is that Savior. What would stop you from doing that? Pride? Deceit? Maybe you're unsure, whatever. I don't know what would stop you, but what I know is everyone here needs Jesus. And if that's you this morning and you say, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ, you just raise your hand and we're going to, we're going to lead you through a prayer. If there's anyone here at all that like relationship with Jesus Christ, listen, it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. There is no other decision that is greater than this decision right now. Your life is in a balance and God is drawing you and He wants you to come to that place of repentance. If that's you, one more time, I'm just going to have you ask you to raise your hand and God is going to begin relationship with you through His Son, Jesus Christ. I know the battle, man. For 24 years, I tried to live as a good person. And I wasn't a good person either. But I told myself I was. I was being deceitful in my own heart about that. And so God would say, don't deceive yourself this morning. Grab my hand. Just raise it up. Grab my hand. He's pleading with you. Father, we are incredibly grateful people this morning. Lord, as people who have actually grabbed your hand and said yes to you. It was the greatest day of our life. And those days have even gotten better, Lord, as you have come into our lives, you would you have made us new and you are continuing to refine us and make us like your son. We thank you for that, Lord. We pray today that you would encourage the saints in this place, Lord, to fight the good fight, to not give up, to not grow weary in doing good, but to go out and proclaim the great victory that has been, 
made on our behalf through Jesus Christ, that he not only died on the cross, but he rose again from the dead. And because of him, we have a gospel to proclaim. We can heal the brokenhearted. We have words to say to those who are destitute. We can bring those who are in despair, Lord. We can cause them to come out of that because your word is powerful. Your promises are true. And today, Lord, we want to proclaim that. Let's give him some praise. Come on. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hey, listen, if you are struggling and you don't know the Lord and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know about all this, then you come up front, talk to somebody that has a badge on after this service and you, you talk to them one-on-one, -on -one. but don't leave this place without Jesus. Hey, let's stand and let's worship our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.